Like, there's so many things. Like, when he says his iconic line, um, Cole, where he's like, I see dead people, it immediately cuts to Malcolm. Right, and, and it, like, zooms in on his face. Yeah, and we're and, all kind of like, oh, yeah, he's telling them this big dramatic thing, but right. we don't really get it. Welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Allison, and I am joined by two guests this week, Emily and Brian. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hello. And this week, we thought that we would review a movie that is kind of coming up on its anniversary 20 years, and that movie is The Sixth Sense, which came out on August 6th, two, or 1999, yeah. or 2009, which is also <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan's birthday, August 6th, yep. big deal. So um, this movie is probably, it was kind of like a sleeper film. A lot of people weren't um, really keen on it when they heard it was coming out, um, and M. Night Shyamalan hadn't had a film do very well at all or really a a major release until this film Um, it stars bruce willis as um, malcolm we've got Haley joel osmond as cole the little guy and then the mom is tony collette and um it's obvious that this movie permeated pop culture 1999 as we said before this started was a huge year for films we've already reviewed the matrix on this podcast but also, um, Star Wars came out this year, as well as The Phantom Menace, or The Phantom Menace came yeah. out, rather. And, um, gosh, what else came out this year, Brian? Was it a right, well, like, American Beauty, was that 99, around there? 99, 2000? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Um, what was, there was another movie that kind of was in the, like, the summery blockbuster Oh, my gosh, I'm frame. having a brain fart, but anyways... We all know about The Sixth Sense. Um, You know, I was pretty young when this came out. I was in third grade, but I still remember people running around saying, I see dead people. Um, And it was a huge, huge hit and a huge success. Just that line has permeated pop culture, you know? Like, it's very possible. Yeah, like, it's very possible people have never seen that movie but would know that that phrase absolutely yeah. i didn't see this movie until as well into my teens but i knew all about it the the gifts the memes everything the the spin-offs the references in so many different movies and shows i mean talk about scary movie you could do a whole spoof on this thing um and the the film in and of itself it grossed 672 million dollars the opening of the box office it was like 27 million and it got bigger from there usually films don't Mm -hmm. do really well um after opening weekend but it only got bigger um and uh we'll just kind of dive into the plot of it obviously if you haven't seen this movie watch it come back to this Uh, major spoilers ahead um including probably one of the biggest movie twists of all time Mm -hmm. wouldn't you think yeah it's up yes. there 
It's, it's pretty much what made people expect twist endings in movies now. Yes. Yeah. And now the ending of this movie would be considered a cliche in like yeah. a movie today. I think you're right. I think mm. you're right. So um, so the movie opens um, with Bruce Willis's character, Malcolm Crowe. He's a child psychologist, and he comes home um, to meet with his wife. He's been awarded this great um, award for his work. Um, it's based in Philadelphia. And um, she says, you know, everything is, is second to his job, including her. And she's kind of like, you know, pissed about it. And then immediately somebody kind of breaks into their home and they realize that it's one of his patients um, who's played by Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah. Donnie. Donnie. (laughs) I didn't really realize that until I rewatched it again last night. I was like, oh, he lost like 40 some pounds for for this small role, I would say. Small but impactful. Small but impactful. And... um, you know, he says, I've, you failed me. I know why you're so scared when you're alone. And um, he shoots him. And um, then it kind of cuts to the next fall, which we don't really know how much time has passed. And um, we see Malcolm, and he's sitting on, like, a bench watching this little this little dude come out of his house, and he is that's his next patient that he's got to work with. And um, that's Haley Joel Osment. His name's Cole Sear, and he's really suspicious of of Malcolm. He's like kind of running away from him, and and um, you know they end up they end up meeting, and and Cole's suspicious when he um, meets him in the, in their living room. Cole is you know standing kind of at the kind of in the doorway a little bit, and. And Malcolm's sitting there, and he does this little test with him. And he says, you know, if I can read your mind, then you take a step forward. If I say, if what I'm saying is right, you take a step forward. If what I'm saying is wrong, take a step back. And they kind of go through this, you know, this little thing. And and Malcolm knows a little bit about how his dad left and how he's having all these problems. And, you know, they kind of work through... I would say they have these little meetups. You know, Cole has these issues at school where he says that he he drew a picture of another man getting stabbed in the neck by a guy with a screwdriver. He makes fun of um, his teacher calling him Stuttering Stanley. I love that scene. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. That is so amazing. And um, Malcolm comes to see him in the play. He comes to talk to him at school. He talks to him at work. And... Um, there's, you know, so um, as Malcolm is, you know, working with Cole, his relationship with his wife starts to kind of dwindle a little bit. You know, she uh, goes to eat dinner at a restaurant. He shows up late and she ignores him. She snatches the bill away from him. And, um, you know, she's only setting up dinner for one person. She is having sort of like these close conversations with one of her co-workers Malcolm actually sees it happening um like in the store and he gets like pissed and he like hits the hits the window of the of the shop and um and breaks it and as they're kind of working through this you know Cole and Malcolm working together I think Cole finally feels that he can he can tell 
Malcolm what's really been going on because he seems, you know, he's been acting out, he's terrified, he is being kind of like tortured in a lot of ways, and he finally tells him the iconic line, I see dead people. And, um, you know, Cole says, they they don't know they're dead, and they follow me around, and I get this feeling on, you know, the, the back of my neck where I get all these pricklies, and it gets really cold, and, and whatnot, and... Um, you know, Malcolm is like, I, you know, I, I think I know what we can do to, to make them go away because ultimately they just want help. And so there's this terrific scene with Misha Barton, shout out to the OC, love her. She's kind of fallen off the map in a recent, but she is this girl who shows up at his at his home and he, she's like spitting out, she's like foaming at the mouth and like, He's, he's terrified, and she, like, spits all this stuff out and says, I feel better now, and um, Cole decides that he's going to help her. So uh, Cole and Malcolm go to her kind of, like, funeral uh, luncheon thing that is hosted at their house. You know, her her dad is in shambles, and he actually goes upstairs and starts, you know, looking around in her room, and, um, you know, the door opens and it's all dark and it's left to the way that that she had left it and her ghost pushes this little box to him and he takes it downstairs and says you know she wanted to tell you something and it's this VHS tape that the the father puts in and it shows her doing this cute little puppet show and then she has to break away and get into bed and we see the mother actually keeping her daughter sick by putting pine salt in her soup which is you know devastating and um truly horrific i mean this movie Mm -hmm. is a a horror film but in a different type of way there's not a lot of jumps and scares but there's truly scary terrible terrible elements and um you know then he kind of helps helps this girl rectify you know you know what it was that kind of maybe kept her in in the world or you know what she needed she had unfinished business I suppose and um you know then Cole actually you know confesses to you know his mom um after doing some of these things they're they're stuck in traffic and there's you know there's this accident above and he goes, Mom, I'm finally ready to tell you my secrets. And he says, the accident that's up there, you know, the woman did get hurt and she died. And you see her ghost out of the side of the window. And he has this uh, great scene. They both, Tony Collette's amazing in this film. It, this scene makes me emo when I watch it. But he says, <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's, intense. Yeah. And, you know, I I can see dead people, you know, they talk to me, I see them everywhere, and, you know, she's not really, she kind of writes them off, she's like, you know, you're, I don't think you're a freak, but he goes in, Cole goes into detail about the, the grandmother, his grandmother, um, Lynn's mom, and says, you know, she was there when you thought that she wasn't there, she was there watching you dance, and um, when you went to her grave and asked her a question, the answer is every day, what is the question you asked? And she says, do I make her proud? And it's, you know, um, 
you know, this this great scene where Lynn kind of finally accepts him. And, um, you know, as Cole and Malcolm are talking, you know, he says, I, th- I think I know what, how you can talk to your wife finally and maybe resolve the issues that you've been having in your marriage because, you know, I know that you've been throwing yourself into work so much. Maybe you should just talk to her um, after she's asleep. So uh, Malcolm goes home and the his wife is laying on the couch and their like a wedding video is on, which is so sweet. And, you know, he's standing there behind her while she's on the couch and He's like, you know, I'm, I'm here. And she says, why'd you leave me? And he's like, I didn't leave. And um, they kind of have this, you know, sweet interaction while she's kind of in this, she's sleeping and in this dream state. And, um, you know, then there's the big realization um, that his ring falls and he hasn't been wearing it at all. She's still wearing um, you know, her ring and he realizes that he's actually a ghost. He doesn't know that he's a ghost. He's been walking around like a real person. They do this great um, kind of recap of all these other scenes where now that you realize what the heck is going on, all the scenes still work and you can see like, okay, that's why he couldn't get into the door. That's why she pulled, you know, she was sitting at the at the table alone or, and, and all these different things. And he finally... Um, you know, tells her, you were never second, you were always first, and it's kind of this, like, aha realization, and he's, he's able to pass on to the afterlife, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the very short version of all of the different wow. things. Yeah. <laughs> but it's crazy. Gave me a little goosebumps just talking mm. about it. Um, but I think one of the the great things about this film is watching it a second time and seeing how all of the things stand up after after knowing the twists and how kind of the when you are like you know watching it with virgin eyes and you don't you don't know the ending how you're so pretty oblivious to what is actually going on with with malcolm and with cole Mm -hmm. agree agree (laughs) so um let's talk a little bit about um just kind of one emily you go into tell us a little bit about some of the 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 things that maybe you analyzed for your film analysis that you wrote on this movie yeah so i had never seen this movie before i was forced to watch it for a grade um and i personally do not like scary movies long story short my grandma used to make us watch scary movies when i was little and so i like hate them now um is your grandma a scary movie fan actually it's my grandpa but we would all have to go over to her house it was like my siblings my cousins and we would read pinocchio which is her favorite book and then that was like her thing and my grandpa's thing was making us watch a scary movie so wow yeah it's a little little dramatic really high and then really low (laughs) um so yeah i don't really like scary movies so i was like man why do i have to watch this for a class like to analyze it and whatever um but I found it actually to be really interesting when it comes to like the cinematography and editing styles that came with this movie and just everything that goes into it. Um, so like one of the major things that really plays a part in this big plot twist is the fact that the beginning of this movie is showing Malcolm getting shot and then just immediately cuts away to something completely different. So that's actually called um, 
and I might be saying this wrong, but it's called an ellipsis. Um, so it's basically like an omission between one action and another, and that gives the audience the chance to infer that, oh, Malcolm just went to the hospital and recovered. Like, he's totally fine. Mm-hmm. So they do that on purpose in order to really emphasize the fact that there is this big plot twist at the end, but you don't really know that because you're just, everyone kind of just assumes that, oh yeah, he's, he ended up being fine. That's awesome. So yeah, that was, there's a lot of things in this movie that ended up being so important to this plot twist that you don't really recognize at first. And it's, the way this movie was made is just crazy. Right. Like I, they, it's so obvious when you like, if you go back and watch it, all the things that infer that he's dead. Like, there's so many things. Like, when he says his iconic line, um, Cole, where he's like, I see dead people, it immediately cuts to Malcolm. Right, and, and it, like, zooms in on his face. Yeah. And we're and, all kind of like, oh, yeah, he's telling them this big dramatic thing, but right. we don't really get it. Yeah. So they actually, the director was like, well, maybe we should cut this out because that's way too obvious for right. a plot twist. And then they showed it to test audiences and nobody caught on. So they were like leaving it in i guess so yeah that's basically how that happened but i think yeah the audience has to do like a lot of assuming or like filling in the blanks with kind of these blind spots almost yeah. that we are like oh well you know this movie is really good like it's not like the movie is it has any holes per se but right. we kind of are led to fill them fill these theoretical holes in ourselves right that's what people want to do right so like humans mm-hmm. are looking for patterns yeah exactly. always and analyzing all the time and when there's something that doesn't fit your your narrative that you expect then you just fill it in mm-hmm. and and he knows this right so that's like why most of his movies i feel are if you watch them a second and the third time you're like oh it's right there in front of us but we've just skimmed over it we're, right we're so busy buying into what the kid's going through uh, which really has nothing to do with the plot and and the the realization at the end of the movie that's all for show that's just to take our minds off of Mm -hmm. this guy's thing so i think it's pretty cool how it's right there in plain sight Mm -hmm. a lot of these little clues in the movie very cool yeah for sure like with those clues the the main big thing that i feel like a lot of people know this but the color red is like the biggest thing in this movie because anytime there's red involved in the scene that means that there's a spirit coming. Uh-huh. And, it, and it basically is like in tie with Cole's ability to see dead people. So like the, um, when you see his notes about how Cole's freaking out because of these things, it's written in red ink that he has written down that his mom finds. And um, then there's the red balloon on the birthday party. Mm-hmm. And that's when he gets attacked in the closet. And I'm pretty sure in the hospital, his blanket was like a reddish color. Uh-huh. He's wearing a red sweater when he has like the... Uh, when he's trapped in that yeah. dungeon, he's, you know, wearing a red sweater. And it's like anytime there's a a, a red, it like ties to the spirit world. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the box that the little girl yep. has, like the inside of that box is, is red. The mom is wearing like a red jacket. Yep. Which is a very odd color to be wearing at your daughter's wake. Yeah, with the red roses, yeah. really strange. Um, the the tape recorder when he's listening back yep. to Vincent's sessions, when he turns it up, the the color of the the number that indicates the level it turns red as it gets mm-hmm. louder. Um, did you say the red doorknob? The red doorknob, yeah. yep. And the the red place setting, and there's so yeah. many little clues and. I'm sure you you read this, but in an interview, they said when they would you know get ready to film, 
they saw anything that was a, even a little bit red, um, they would go and like remove it from yep. the scene just to uh, to make sure that there was you know nothing in there. Right, and even like when when Cole finally tells his mom about his ability, she's wearing a red sweater too, mm-hmm. which means that she's finally like now in his other world that he's never shared with her before brought into the fold mm-hmm. a little bit for yeah sure yeah okay so I guess like another me saying soft you don't know what that is like it's like the big the big thing about the movie that's reoccurring which would be the color red in this instance um every single movie has one you just have to pay attention for it but um so the me saying sans in this one is red and also low-key lighting which is like the dark ominous lighting that's mostly in thrillers or horror movies um which also is how you go into Cole's ability again like when he's in his little red tent before Kira shows up Mm -hmm. yep um he has his flashlight and it's got like his face all lit up like you're telling a ghost story and like um just all these different areas where the lighting is very dark and there's harsh shadows on people's faces that help signify like that this is a spirit thing going on so that's another thing that the film emphasized I think in 99 I think it was Blair Witch Project. Yes, thank you. And that came out in the summer, so that's probably already 20 years right now. And that was the first time that that was like a real big thing that I remember seeing. It's like she's in a tent, and she has her flashlight on her face, and she's screaming, crying. She's got snot dripping down her nose from the movie, I remember. And that's all you can see is her face. Mm -hmm. And then they did it in that movie, you know, Sixth Sense, just in his room, in in a tent as well with the light playing that way so that's what i thought of when she was talking about that yeah. that's what it was and Blair that's why Witch it was project that was the summer of scary movies but that one was uh, i guess they were both kind of like scares that one was a little bit more scary in omission what they didn't show you yeah uh, but it was all it was you know documentary style very different than this one i think that was like the og of like found footage type of movies because mm. what's the other one cloverfield I saw that movie oh, yeah. in theaters that probably came out in 2008 ish. Like and that movie scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and so did Blair Witch Project. I think I watched it when I was maybe 14 and I was terrified. Those, those kind of those jumps, that's a really, a really good film. Now looking back on it, it's kind of cheesy, but um, yeah, Blair Witch Project is another good one that came out that year. And, um, you know, also the, the color red, you know, if you've seen any other M. Night Shyamalan movies, um, Signs came out, I think, two years after this in 2001. Saw that in theater, scared me terribly. Yeah. Um, the Village came out, which also the color red is a huge theme in that. And kind of similar along with like the it's right there in front of you the entire time as long as you, you know, open up your eyes and and see it and um you know there's a lot of continuity a lot uh, across the M. Night Shyamalan films um you know with the color red and some of these plot twists and M. Night Shyamalan always makes a cameo in his Mm -hmm. film so he plays like the the doctor in this when uh Lynn takes Cole to to the hospital and he starts questioning her about um the scratches that are on on his back and he wanted to do that because both of his parents are doctors, mm-hmm. so he hated his cameo too. Yeah, he like cut out a big a big scene of it because he thought that. You hear those ghosts. Those ghosts. 
he thought that Tony Collette was so good that he just like couldn't keep it together and and couldn't live up yeah. to um you know how great of an actress she was and you know when I'm watching this I really forget that it's like kind of a movie because the acting in it is so spectacular mm-hmm. particularly from her and from Haley Joel Osment I mean she has like that perfect accent you know the movie's in Philly and it's so like subtle and she you can tell like when she is you know they're having they're sitting there at dinner and they're talking about that bumblebee pendant and she gets like you know so angry and then you know so sad afterwards and she's just crying please tell me please tell me like any parent feel would can can relate to kind of the being in such like despair and she captures the role so well and Haley Joel Osment during this movie I think he was 10 or 11 um 9 10 11 um filming this and it's probably one of the best like child performances of all time I would say I mean he is so spectacular Mm -hmm. and he is you know has this very like sweet little face this like tiny little body and um you know always holding holding his face or having these grand gestures and um you know and, and then Bruce Willis of course you know he was really really good in in Pulp Fiction and did Armageddon come out before this movie? Was he in Armageddon? Yeah, he was in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it came out before this, yeah. Um, but this was like his kind of, not a breakout role, but it was, it really showed that he is more than this just like crazy, wild action star. Like he's so serious in this movie. And M. Night Shyamalan said that he, you know, sought Bruce Willis out for it, that he kind of wrote it for him. And he was the kind of the, pipe dream in a way but he actually got Bruce Willis to be on the film and I think that's like the public was really shocked by it too they were like Mm -hmm. why are you doing this movie with this dude that nobody's heard of before (laughs) um that's like a horror flick slash drama um it's I read that Bruce Willis actually was forced to be in the movie because of a contract thing with Disney or something so it wasn't that he like I don't think he really wanted to be, but it was more like he really didn't have a choice. Yeah, he caused uh, the production of the Broadway Brawler to be shut down. And they were like, all right, well, you have to do this movie. And actually, we're going to pay you half of what your normal, you know, big big movie salary would be. So he was only paid $10 million. Mm, Only. Rats. But if you think about it, I mean, that's not a lot of money considering how much money they they did at that's the box true. office. And, you know, the budget for the film was $40 million, so a quarter of it went to Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there isn't a bunch of, like, crazy, wild, per, you know, production that they have to do for the film. There's no real special effects besides, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, turning down the, the thermostat and the cold breath everything else is kind of like what you said brian inferred and and a a pattern and just um you know shot from the view of cole so it's obviously very realistic they don't need to use you know special effects for right for a lot of these things but you know this film another thing that i found what that was really interesting and emily I'd be shocked if you knew about this brian i'll be really happy if you know about what i'm talking about but 
Uh, M. Night Shyamalan said that this movie was inspired by an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Which was this show. Canadian show. A Canadian show. that <laughs> Nickelodeon. Was, yeah, on Nickelodeon. It started in 1990. And um, it was inspired by an episode called The Tale of the Dream Girl. And in which the, you know, the characters are ignored by somebody and, and don't realize that they're dead until, you know, like the final the final moment and the brother um, realizes that the only person who can see him is his sister because she's kind of like this medium. And um, are you are you afraid of the dark was like this Canadian show and it was for kids and they told it always opened with them like telling ghost stories. Mm. And um, I've actually watched a few episodes within the past few years. The acting is so bad and their Canadian <laughs> accents are so evident when you watch it as an adult that it's great one of the best episodes is this one about a dollhouse um but it's it's so funny but um you know it's interesting you know m night Shyamalan said that when he was a kid you know around 10 years old he had this kind of passion for for writing films and and writing stories and as i said earlier he did two films before this and i think each of them grossed less than $350,000 in, you know, ticket sales and everything like that. And then there's this, you know, huge, huge, big budget film. And it's just, it's crazy. And then after this, you know, he did Signs, which I think is a terrific film. He's done um, The Village. He's done Lady in the Water. And then the... Um, glass and split and what's the one don't sleep on unbreakable now unbreakable which bruce (laughs) willis is also in but m night Shyamalan kind of took a dive in in regards to what people kind of thought about him and his um just like reputation in the film world in general i i think it was probably i think a lot of people didn't like the movie The Village. I loved it, but sometimes I feel like I'm so oblivious to things in movies. And that's why, you know, I was, when I watched this the first time, I'm, I was totally oblivious to the twist in this. Didn't see the twist in The Village coming at all. And I think a lot of people maybe are just more intuitive with stuff like this. But um, then Lady in the Water was just a bad, not a good movie. And he kind of nosedived a little bit, but I think that he's coming back up. Well, with... he started making movies for studios and not stuff that he was involved with. So he yeah, made a terrible like anime movie that was real life action movie that was terrible. Yep. And then he made that movie with Will Smith and his kid, and that was really big super bomb. Wait, the Pursuit of Happiness? No, it's like Planet Earth or Life After Earth or something like oh, that. It was okay. terrible. Uh, and then it was only recently did he make that other movie, like last year. Maybe two years ago. He he came back kind of with that movie was about the grandma, like the grandparents' house. The, the kids visit. Would yeah, that Will was kind of like the oven comeback. to clean it. I haven't seen that, but I'm like kind of obsessed yeah, with that. Sounds like your maybe your grandpa would have liked that movie. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of where he came back to the what he was, you know, producing, directing, and right. had something to do with as opposed to just taking people's money. Yeah. He also um, wrote on Stuart Little yeah did you know that michael j fox yeah and um you know the happening people hated that movie yeah um 
he was, which I think is a good, I for I wasn't 100% sure, but I just looked it up. He was on um, The Last Airbender. Yeah, that's that one. Um, which I loved the cartoon of that show. So I think it was kind of, it was fine. But he's kind of, yeah, been a little, little, little all over the place. Mm. Um, but um, Split and Glass um, have kind of brought him back to a legit writer, producer, director, filmmaker kind of role. And he got Bruce Willis back again. You know, he he didn't have um, kind of these huge actors. I think Paul Giamatti was in Lady in the Water, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, he kind of kind of struggled struggled there mm-hmm. um, a little bit. But tell us. Let's talk about the white hair. Oh yes, mm-hmm. right. Thank Let's talk you. about that. There's your little. So is is there only two? In the movie, they have white hair. Yeah, so um, so Vincent has white hair, like a streak of white mm-hmm. hair, mm-hmm. Um, on the back of his head, I think, and or somewhere on his head, yeah. obviously. And then no. Cole's got white. Yeah, Cole's He's got, got a it. White in the front, and it's I feel like it's on the the back of his head or something, and you don't really notice it. I didn't really notice it that much, um, and. They said, I, I watched an interview that M. Night Shyamalan did, and he said that there are, a, this is a real phenomenon that can happen. That sometimes people will suffer from like a huge trauma, and then they can wake up the next day and they'll have a section of hair that is suddenly missing pigment. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I or haven't. Even from stress, yeah. I haven't researched into it um, anymore, but it seems kind of like crazy that even hair that's like grown out of your head would suddenly. Like that's, you know, inches and inches long has Mm -hmm. suddenly grown uh, or has lost pigment. And I don't know, what do you, do you think it's like a kind of like being touched by a spirit type of thing? I think that's part of what maybe he was hoping you'd think, you know? Um, I think it was just kind of cool. It's just a little nugget that they drop in, you know? Because as far as I know, those are the only two in the whole movie that haven't. Yeah. But they're also the only two that saw ghosts or whatever yeah and another thing that i i wasn't able to like find any more info on but maybe you guys can shed some light on this is the um the the fact when lynn is like doing the laundry and they're looking in the she's looking at the pictures and it's like all the pictures of cole's dad it's like a little orb or it's like a little flash of light Mm. like he's no longer in the in the photos anymore and I didn't really understand that. I didn't. I didn't get what that meant. Did you guys find anything? Was about he it? in the photos? Well, or the ones when he was a baby? When You're he talking was about like when a, he was like a little kid, right? Yeah, when he was like a when he was a baby. Do we think yeah. that were those supposed to be pictures of him with his dad, or were those like him sitting with like spirits? I think it was always. I was always thought it was just. Always spirits, I different it spirits, too. not just his dad. But I yeah. always thought it, I for some reason thought it was his dad. But maybe that's the you know, that's your comforting personality. Yeah, you're looking <laughs> for the nice the part because yeah. there weren't a whole lot of nice spirits that Mm-mm. came to talk to him, right? No, and they said that you know why you know why is Cole's breath not cold when malcolm's around and they said that it's only cold and the temperature only drops when the ghosts are 
are angry or they're yeah when they're upset like mm-hmm. the woman in the kitchen when yeah when it shows the thermostat dropping that's when the woman is in the kitchen freaking out about i don't even know what she was talking about yeah but she was obviously upset or the kid that's like let me show you my dad's gun where it's uh yeah that yeah. was i wasn't like i forgot about that because it's such like a small little part yeah. and then it shows obviously the back of his head is like blown off um scary very scary 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 we don't really with that particular character and some of the other you know ghosts that we see he doesn't really get their resolve but we like to think that maybe he does get some sort of you know resolve with with these ghosts that are kind of after him Mm -hmm. and uh what else you got for us brian well i think one of the things i wanted to talk about probably uh, is just the twist itself and like how it became like you said earlier, cliche, mm-hmm. because this was, this was like, the internet was around, but not a lot of people had it. It was like super duperly dial up and, um, it, you know, a movie like this would be spoiled by Saturday morning nowadays. Mm-hmm. There'd been a hundred videos on YouTube and all that stuff. So, uh, you really didn't know what to expect. And that, that kind of proofs in the pudding as far as the box office numbers go. Cause yeah. the weekend, the first weekend was pretty you know, 29 million or whatever you said. And then it got up to be over $600 million. And that's, that's like a word of mouth sort of situation. And yeah, the different than how movies are. I think the, the week after it was like 40 something labor day weekend, it was 30 million, which they said they've only had one other film do that. Well, uh, labor day weekend. And it was Titanic. Yeah. Um, Cause mm-hmm. you know, most people are not going to the movies. They are, out grilling and pooling and drinking beer and whatever (laughs) but i think you're right i mean um you know with like game of thrones or i think about um the avengers how whatever the some some uh professional sports player i think some football player oh yeah a football player tweeted, tweeted about it tweeted about like the end of the avengers and like spoiled it for everybody so mm-hmm. it was kind of like this i'm sure at the time you know no social media it was kind of this this uh word of mouth thing that kind of spread around and people were like oh you got to go see this movie because they said that sunday was the biggest day of that weekend that it opened is that everybody flocked yeah. to i'm guessing they had a lot of repeat customers too oh yeah that had you know probably experienced that twist and then wanted to see if they could point it out you know later on yeah because I, I, obviously i've i've watched it geez over 20 years probably 15 or 20 times uh-huh. but... yeah it's uh it's interesting the way that we experience movies mm-hmm. now in the modern day obviously podcasts weren't around 20 years (laughs) ago and yeah youtube videos pop up overnight with um you know an a total breakdown and kind of a ending explained and there's so many people who um you know are experts at this at this point that can point out and and pick out all of these things i mean think about game of thrones and that cup that was um seen oh yeah. yeah Um, if that happened on TV 20 years ago, maybe one person or, you know, somebody would have, a handful of people would have caught it in the moment, but if it wasn't being recorded or you couldn't rewind in the moment, you would miss it. Well, those things are like, 
currency. So like when I was a kid, you found out one of those things, you know, you would drop that on your friends and it would be like mind blowing. You uh-huh. would, you would have power uh-huh. <laughs> because you didn't just, you know, it wasn't on Facebook the next morning and 50 different versions. It was like, you had to learn that you had to figure that out yourself mm-hmm. and you could sprinkle those out when you wanted to. Those were great. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, that's for sure. something different. The other thing I was going to say is I don't remember really any major marketing for this movie. Uh, like month before that, I think is when Blair Witch came out. I think it was in July. They had, I remember they, they shot like a fake documentary and they put it on MTV maybe two months before the movie came out. So they had this like lost footage documentary that was supposed to be about those three people that were in the movie. Right. So they like had this whole fake campaign about these fake people. Um, and then they had a website that they had built, which was like a newfangled thing. Like mm-hmm. you could go to this website and learn about these people. So like, they were definitely pumping money into it and pushing it. And this one was more of just like, oh, here's a movie that came out that has a, a famous guy that you probably know from Die Hard. Let's mm-hmm. go check it out, you know? So totally different experience. And now I just, everything is so promoted and cross-promoted. And, you know, the star of the movie is going to be eating hot wings on the, on YouTube or something. Like, it's yeah. just, it's overexposure <laughs> for everything. So movies like this, I feel like I got to experience it the right way. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I got to go into it not knowing anything about it. I didn't know there was a twist. And now there's movies just recently right after that was like Usual Suspects. That has, you know, one of the biggest twist endings ever. And then um, Fight Club, like it just became a thing that happened. And everybody kind of one up that twist ending to the point now where there's always a twist ending or there's like a double twist ending. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a double twist in this movie, if you think about it, like. He, re- he reveals that he can see dead people, right? And, and they, they show what they want to show. So that's why most of them have their wounds. You, you always see them how they died, right? In their yeah. death state. So when he first meets his doctor, his therapist, right? He knows that he's dead because he can see. He sees the bullet hole. He sees where he's shot in the stomach. He has to because he sees it on everybody else. So we're seeing Malcolm's point of view. Mm. So we're seeing he, he wants to portray himself like he's alive because that's how he believes that he is right so in in Mm -hmm. his mind that's how he sees but as cole i think how he's really seeing malcolm is how he's seeing all the other ghosts in the movie like how they died Mm. bloody and garish so he Mm -hmm. knows and that's why he's hesitant to talk to him the very first time right because he knows he's a ghost and he doesn't know if he's a good ghost because most of the ghosts he's been in contact with aren't good right Mm -hmm. so he doesn't know if he should touch like talk to him or trust him or anything so it takes a while for him to warm up to him enough and that's what i always thought like when i when i watch it the second time i'm like he knows right away like he knows instantly so the i see dead people thing that's more for him mm, as a, I never as a of tip it. the card to to bruce willis's character to be like hey man this is what's up yeah i can see you because you're dead i never i never thought of it mm-hmm. that way that cole is kind of like in on it from the yeah. get-go at least with at least with him but yeah it's kind of like you know they have this that kind of scene at the end i think they it's after the play and he's like let's just pretend that we're gonna see each other tomorrow and cole is you know obviously we know that he knows and he's kind of giving this like resolution and he's giving this relief to to Malcolm rather mm-hmm. than but I think we're the other way around we're in intended way. to think it's because he's been right he's been helped mm-hmm. 
Right. And so he's going to go on to his next patient. But he knows if he actually talks to his wife, then he's not going to be around anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. actually Malcolm leaving and not vice versa. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I that's how I saw it. No, that's that is a good point. Totally true. I didn't really think of it Mm -mm. in that way. And the other thing that was cool about him as the kid, right? Um, was a ninety four, I think, was Forrest Gump and he was in that and that was the first time I recognized him, right? So he was He's young Forrest Gump in that movie, and I saw that in the theater, and that was an amazing movie. You saw it a lot of times. So to see him like four or five years later as this, the star, basically, of the movie was pretty cool. Uh-huh. And he, like you said earlier, child actors go. It's probably one of the best performances. It's probably not the biggest movie. You can always think of like Home Alone or something. Yeah, But he's true. not a good actor in that movie, I don't think. Macaulay Culkin, he's just like resetting the lines back to him. There's no real nuance there. Well, this is like... You can tell he's from a theater family. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. had that training. He knows how to actually, you know, do things and act and cry on command. And he's skilled. He he was always an actor, you know. So uh-huh. I think that's really cool about this movie. You can know the twist. Um, you wouldn't have to see any of the ghosts. Uh, I can tell you as a dad now, watching this thing, I am scared more about the other stuff that's in it. Like the Munchausen stuff. Yeah, Keep Munchausen killing your own kid. Proxy. Keeping him sick just to get that attention. That, that's yeah. like what's horrific because that you know ghosts and whatever but sinister truly evil things like that are mm-hmm. real yeah and that's what to me re-watching this i don't have to i don't i have a different set of scares which it works on a different level for me now yeah definitely and uh yeah when um Haley Joel Osment uh, auditioned for this film. He was the only one that wore like a tie to the audition is what M. Night Shyamalan said. And that he read the script three times before he auditioned. He's like this really, really smart yeah. little kid. Yeah. It was weird to watch him too because he had this movie and then after that he worked with Spielberg. And then he grew up, you know, then he was like a, like a preteen teenager and just aged out and like, just didn't do anything. Did voiceover stuff, did like sequels to Disney movies, like Cinderella two and stuff like that. Like that was what his career was for a long time. And, uh, he didn't, he's only kind of resurfaced as an actor in the last couple of years. Yeah. He has been in, gosh, what have I seen him in recently? I'm trying to remember, but He's on a show on Netflix, I think, now. Yes. And he was, um, of course, in Pay It Forward, which is such a good movie. Yeah. That movie is so good. Um, it made, And that only came out like a year after this. Um, but he was in, oh my gosh, what is it? Sorry, I'm looking on my, looking on my phone here. Um, Oh, he's an extremely wicked, shockingly evil and yeah. vile, which we also reviewed on here. Mm-hmm. He tries to be the the boyfriend to Ted Bundy's uh, woman, Liz, um, which is really weird. He's like, gosh, he's probably 30 now. Yeah, I, would I think say he's at about least, 30. Yeah. And um, it was just, but he seems like pretty stable for. Um, being kind of this hugely successful child actor. I mean, look at Macaulay Culkin and um, a lot of these other like child actors have really yeah. gone off the rails. But um, you know, he he stuck with it. And then of course, Tony Collette. I mean, she's she's amazing, and she has gone on to do so many other roles. I um, mean, United, United States of Tara is one of my favorite shows 
ever that she is in. And um, she's in Hereditary, um, and she plays that role yeah. really well. What do you think of Hereditary? Is, is that the super-duper scary movie? Is that the one I'm talking about? <laughs> that one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a different kind of scary, right? But it kind of brought back that whole... It seems like every 10 years or so, the industry kind of retools on how a scary movie comes. Uh-huh. You know, so like this one... It was like um, Blair Witch. Then it was this one. Then it was the one with Nicole Kidman, The Others. Oh, yeah. Remember that I like that movie. That had an awesome twist at the end of that one, too. Uh-huh. Uh, and then like they kind of went away, and it went to like the rom-com, kind of raunchy rom-coms. Now it's like horror movies are kind of back, and that was one of the ones that really like put them back. I think, as far as I know, that was like successful. Uh-huh. And then and there was a Paranormal Activity yeah. That was another one of those kind of like found footage sort of. That came out in 2009 because um, I remember I lived in Lincoln when I saw so it. So that was 10 years ago, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So I, I read something because I was trying to brush up on some of the casting stuff because that was what I was interested in to see like where they were now and stuff. And there was a big, well, anytime Scorsese makes a movie, they're kind of big deals, but he was putting one out at the same time. Uh, it was called like bringing out your dead and it was not a very good movie. Uh, but she wanted to get in that one. Mm-hmm. To, right. So like she wasn't even that happy that she got this movie cause she lost out the other one, mm-hmm. which this movie is a thousand times better than the next Scorsese movie was. Ooh, yeah. That and was she, a rough one. She said that she didn't even realize that this was like a horror movie. Yeah. Until, until after it came it. out and then she was like, Oh shit. <laughs> cause it was so like emotional from her yeah. perspective. Yeah. I mean, she is like this, you know, mom struggling to figure out why her, you know, son that she loves so much is having all of these, all of these issues. And yeah, from her, her I mean, and she doesn't actually have him see a, a therapist or, or do any of these, you know, see any other doctors. Mm-hmm. You know, she works two jobs. She's really busy. She can't even go to his play. He's kind of left alone um, a lot. Um, and I think that's really what attributes to kind of him being tortured in a way for, you know, so heavily because he has so much alone time, you know, he's like an outcast at school and then, you know, he's in this play and just kind of tools around their apartment by himself, just him and his dog, um, you know, hanging out. He's kind of left his left yeah. his own devices. Well, that's so. how it used to be. You know, like, <laughs> that's how I grew up as a kid, like by myself or with my sister all the time. Just hanging out all Always, alone. for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I just can't can't help but go back to the fact that this is like a, a non-scary horror movie. It doesn't have a lot of the yeah. traditional jumps and scares i think about hereditary because i think that movie is so good and and it's really scary tony collette's also in it and it has this crazy twist ending but it also has like a ton of jumps and scares and this with this movie i think a lot of people at least me i was kind of waiting for uh mm-hmm. jump well that's more scary sometimes you know there's all that build up yeah there's I a couple of little jump scares but nothing like what you think of as a horror movie nowadays mm-hmm. for sure uh-huh. wasn't there uh, like a false scare with the dog. Yes. And his little puppy or yes, something. And puppies. it was just the puppy messing around and like the 
laundry or yeah, something. Yeah, it's just hiding. They're trying to, they're, the mom's trying to get him to come out of the closet. I can't remember the exact scene in it that when I was watching it last night, but there's a scene where you can hear the music and it kind of gets a little bit louder and a little bit higher pitch and you're kind of waiting for this moment and then it kind of draws back down and you're like, you get this kind of like tightness in your chest and you're yeah. like, oh God, what's about to happen? And then it's kind of like this resolution and you're like, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. I guess we're not going to have this big this big uh that probably wasn't on accident no no not at all and um another thing too that i think should be noted about this is this movie is pg-13 it's not rated r which is probably lends to um it's great success because you know as we know rated r movies got to be 17 but um you know there's not a ton of horrible violence in it there's not swearing he says bullshit i think once or twice yeah. uh, Malcolm does but um there's not a lot of horribly scary elements and I mean I'm sure that's what also led to the success of it and it's back, yeah back then like a rated R movie that was like the kiss of death right yeah S- especially these kind of movies like if you got a rated R movie that was it you were it was done uh-huh because uh, like BG-13 had really only been around at that point Maybe 10, 15 years. What was the what were the ratings before that? Uh, it used to be it was G, right? Yeah. And then it was PG. Uh huh. Um, so like, uh, and then it was R, and then it was X. And X was like anything that was gratuitous as far as an R rating goes. It wasn't like we think of it now as like a, a pornography movie. It was just like something that was super violent or whatever could get an X rating. Huh. So hmm. PG thirteen only came around in like the mid eighties or so. And uh, so it really hadn't been around that long because like family friendly movies was just that wasn't really a thing that was out there. And then I think this one made probably one of the top grossing PG-13 movies of all time. And then it only wasn't until recently with like Deadpool did R-rated movies become okay if they weren't a comedy mm-hmm. um, or like because that was a huge movie. Right. And that kind of changed the, and that really led into some of those um comic book movies that we're seeing now mm-hmm. uh, like mega 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 blockbuster type movies you know so this was a product of the times and i think if they made it now they would pro- they could probably get an r rating and still make that money you know oh yeah mm-hmm. and they wouldn't the only thing that was really pg-13 ish of it was just the garish violence and like holes and heads and yeah, uh, yeah like that had already happened right we didn't see it happen but it was just that's how they mm-hmm. looked and that was I guess prosthetics is probably the scariest part of the movie. Yeah, really? some yeah. special effects. I mean, um, I think with a kid with his head blown off, mm-hmm. that was probably some sort of, yeah. you know, special effect that they had to do. But yeah, it is kind of crazy to think about R-rated movies can do, you know, do so well mm-hmm. now, um, you know, versus a They lot. used to do just everything they could to not get an R-rating. Uh-huh. And, and they had, you know, so many screenings so they could, they would know. But now it's just like, yeah, who cares? Everybody's doing whatever. We want to make an R-rated movie. Or, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> they they want to up the ante with violence or with, mm-hmm. you know, swearing or or nudity or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think they really push the envelope in a lot, in a lot of ways, too. But um, let's uh, get into our reviews of this Ooh. film. Yeah. So we do it on a five 
star scale. You can do halves, stars if you want. Um, So I will go first. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and give this film a 4.5 out of 5. I think the, um, like I said, it was kind of like a sleeper film. Um, It had Bruce Willis in it, which is a big name. And um, it just had this great you know twist ending but the the acting in it and the story in and of itself and how it kind of leaves the audience out of part of the storyline is you know you're like wow this is a really really great movie when you're watching it and then the plot twist happens and you're like oh my gosh I didn't see that coming and it just draws you in um Mm -hmm. you know even more and you can't deny how um influential it is in pop culture and movies and all sorts of you know media today so i stick with my 4.5 out of 5 yeah not bad no (laughs) not bad at all um i think i'd probably also give it a 4.5 um the thing is is like you watch this movie and if you've never seen it before obviously you see this plot twist and it's like the best feeling ever when you finally get to that plot twist and you realize what happened but you can't watch it again and have that same feeling right which is the part that kind of sucks about it because like that initial realization of the plot twist is so like satisfying I guess like knowing what actually happened to Malcolm um but it's like the best plot twist I've ever seen in a movie and like Brian said it doesn't get spoiled I mean it didn't get spoiled a lot for people 20 years ago so it's kind of like adds to the magic of it all well even like before I was forced to watch this movie for your class um (laughs) Like, I've obviously had heard the movie, and, like, I've heard of, you know, the famous line, I see dead people, but I never knew that the main character, Malcolm, was dead the whole time. Like, I had never heard that spoiler even before I watched the movie, which I thought was really surprising, like, especially bringing up the fact about social media and how this movie had been out for so long, and I still never knew the major plot twist. That's, like, one of the biggest plot twists in cinematic history, and I think that's crazy that I never had that spoiled before watching it. And Lucky I watched you. it in 2018. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Do you think it's because you avoid scary movies? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is long-winded to say, but I, I'm going to say it's a five for me, and here's why. So when I saw it 20 years ago, right, it was like nothing I'd ever seen before um, with amazing acting, right? So, like, that stands on its own. The twist uh, basically started a whole trend of movies had to have a twist. You were looking for it. You were like, it was like a sport. If you could, how, yeah. how early could you sniff out the twist? That's the thing that started because of this movie. I know. I think about like uh, Shutter Island and other films mm-hmm. like that where people are like waiting to figure it out. I mean, that's a whole thing now because of this movie, right? And then you can rewatch it and you still, you're not as satisfied as you were the first time because you know, but then you start looking for those other things like the little clues along the mm-hmm. way. And you can, you could probably watch it five or six times before you even saw everything if, if you didn't read about it, right? Mm-hmm. And now I, I can say as, as someone I've seen it 20 years later, um, it, it resonates with me in a different way. Um, as a parent now, it makes, it's a very sad movie where I did not feel sad when I saw it when I was 20 or 21. Um, so now, now it's like a totally different movie for me that just happens to have some spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm a fan of this. I have a hat on today. I wore this on purpose. Jukebox the ghost. I wore my ghost like hat it. on purpose today. So it hits everything for me. I'm always a notoriously high ranker of everything anyway. I like to 
feel good about stuff. But I mean, it, yeah, in, in 10 or 15 years, you could show this to kids um, that were born now and they would have no idea and it would blow their minds too. So I think it stands yeah. up for sure. It's, it's a movie that was, it's a 90s movie, right? But it doesn't like have that 90s stink on it if if you will you know what yes. i mean mm-hmm. like there it's pretty timeless of, and yeah. uh there's no you know there's no like teeny bop hit songs from that time frame <laughs> blasting through the soundtrack and you know there's no crazy clothes and it's just it's kind of made to it could have been in the 70s 80s 90s it could be now yeah um, and the storyline doesn't really change there's no technology needed for it or anything that really puts a time stamp on it so for me it, it just it it were it will always work yeah, I love that mm-hmm. about the film. I didn't realize until at the end that, you know, he wears the same clothes pretty much yep. the entire time. But it's just like, you know, the basic dress shirt and slacks don't really change. And, yeah, there's not, um, you know, cell phones or really um, mm-hmm. that much TV. There's a couple scenes with television. But, yeah, it is really timeless. Yeah. I think yeah. it'll... It'll always stand up and it'll always be high rated and it's uh, definitely one of those films you have to see before you die type of right type of movies on there. A classic. Yeah, a yeah classic. for sure. It's it definitely meets that qualification for me. For sure. For sure. Well, thank you both so much for coming on this podcast. Jamie will be back again next week, I think. And um, as always, if you have any suggestions, leave us a comment or Mm -hmm. um, join in on our Facebook group, um, Atlas Now Streaming. On Facebook, you can find it um, linked under the Atlas Medstaff Facebook page or any of other groups like Atlas and Friends. Um, Until next time, have a terrific weekend. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you, guys.